Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget that you can download or subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen to WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. Now, here's your Kane's Corner Podcast host, Adam Gold. Another edition of the Kane's Corner Podcast, and we leave the city of Raleigh uh, to for a distinguished gentleman, his name is Matt Porter. Uh, he covers the Boston Bruins for the Boston Globe, and don't you know the Bruins are going to be at PNC Arena uh, for Tuesday night's game, six three and two on the season, but banged up at Matty Ports on Twitter. Uh, who's left to play? I know as Brad Marchand will be here, so he can lick somebody. Um, yeah. who, who else is left? Yeah, good good timing for you know having me on with the Bruins in town at all. Absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting that you know the the three of the top six blue liners uh, for the Bruins have been out for much of the early part of this year. Uh, it looks like they're going to get Tory Krug back, okay. which means they'll have a, a really good puck mover and a, and a power play quarterback that yep. they haven't really had. Um, you know, at, the, at that level, at Krug's level, Matt Grizzlick's done a fine job, but. Um, he's an important piece for them, but they will be missing Kevin Miller, who appears to have broken his hand. He, he's in a cast and uh, blocked a shot uh, 10 days ago at Edmonton. He'll be out, uh, so missing a big defensive presence there. And and also Charlie McAvoy, we're really yeah. not sure what's up with him. They've been very quiet about his status, but he has not played uh, since Edmonton took a hit there. And this was October 18th, the Edmonton game. Uh, been out since then. Skated once, did not skate today. We're not sure if that's a setback or if it was scheduled. They're being very quiet about his status. We believe, and, and you know, don't uh, don't take me as this re- uh, as me reporting this, but we believe he's got a concussion um, right. or some kind of head injury. It certainly looks that way. Um, so uh, the bottom line is he won't play. We don't know when he's going to be back. But obviously, top pairing defenseman with Zidane Char for much of the year, so they've uh, certainly been missing him. Um, and then there's David Backus, who was the third-line center. Right. Struggled in the early part of the season. Uh, we definitely believe, given his history and the fact that he took a shoulder to the head, that he's been dealing with a concussion as well. He skated uh, today in Boston, but he probably is not going to play uh, in Carolina. Matt Porter covers the Boston Bruins for the Boston Globe, is joining us here in the Canes Corner podcast. Um 6-3-2, and two, uh, what has been the mood around this team? I know, I think to, depending on who you've read before the season started, people either had wildly high Stanley Cup expectations for the Bruins or it was somewhat tempered. I'm not sure how to read uh, what the expectations were for the Bruins. We know what the elite level skill is. Um, you know, and I know Yara Holak has been remarkable in net. So what's the early season read on this club? Yeah, he's been very good. Um, it looks like he's going to play uh, at Carolina, by the way. Uh, that has been, I wouldn't call it a full-blown goalie controversy yet, but there are so many people in this town, media and fans especially, 
um, that are just not on the side of Tuukka Rask at this point. Believe he's you know overpaid and and uh, you know not the number one goalie, all this stuff. So right. Yarrow Halak has been a breath of fresh air for those people, but certainly he's been very good. Uh, has not lost in, in regulation. Goals against uh, under 1.5. Uh, Save percentage north of. 94. Yeah, he's uh, tops in the league in uh, both categories, I believe, or certainly yeah. close to it in save percentage. Yeah, so he's been good, and, and you know, definitely um, you know, the, the right call, I think, to throw him in there against the Canes, obviously a team that, that you know, generates a lot of scoring scoring chances and, and shot attempts and has been, have been playing very well uh, you know, to this point in the season, but um, you know, you kind of look at two different teams you know, from the expectation standpoint. Right. Carolina far exceeding the uh, the hopes of anybody, um, you know, they've been one of those teams that people have been waiting to see break out, you know, like, oh, I got Carolina as my sleeper this year. You know, you always kind of hear that. Um, and, and good for them for, you know, really, uh, you know, making good on those uh, those predictions or, or hopes, I should say, uh, early in the year. But as far as the Bruins go, I mean, I'm a believer that, you know, with that top line, you can, you know, you can kind of get past most of the teams on your schedule. I mean, that, that line is so good, really hard to shut them down at even strength or on the power play. The, the worry for the Bruins with secondary scoring, and that I think is where you'll see kind of the line. Um, that, that's really the basis for, for people's, uh, you know, predictions, whether mm-hmm. they think that the Bruins are going to be a Stanley Cup contender or they're just going to be kind of a good team in, in a very good division. Um, you know, whether you believe in those secondary forwards, I happen to think that, that the, the secondary scoring is going to come around. They're going to find their games um, and, and they're going to be, a, you know, maybe a, a two round team in the playoffs. I'm not sure that I put them, you know, in the elite uh, category at this point, um, but it's hard to know what to make of a lot of teams across the league right now. When you look at Toronto with Austin Matthews going out, you know, for four yeah. weeks with a shoulder injury, what are they going to look like? Um you know, Boston, we're talking about secondary scoring, but, you know, they're, they've been so banged up on the blue line that, you know, really, uh, you know, I think that's kind of the main worry for them right now. When are they going to get six defensemen rolling and, and uh, you know, together and, and um, you know, cohesive? So uh, early on, 6-3-2, and two, I think that's, you know, where a lot of people would have the Bruins right now. They played some pretty weak sisters at home early in the year uh, a couple of weeks ago and blew them out of the water talking about Detroit and uh, Edmonton came in, did not look very good. And Ottawa, you know, they didn't look very good either. But, you know, then the Bruins went on their first road trip to Western Canada and, and uh, you know, kind of had a, a tough go there. Didn't get a win, lost twice in in, a, in, um, in extra um, extra innings. Time, so, yeah. I, I understand there's a there's a, a World Series hangover going on in Boston. You've had, played, yeah. you had an 18-inning game. I'm feeling it right now still. I mean, I thought Western Canada, I went to China too. That was, that was pretty bad. That's right. Yeah. I, I don't know what I was doing staying up for, uh, you know, 16 of the 18 innings, but, uh, that was, that was a mistake, but hey, it's hockey season again, baseball's over. So <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second. You only, you're, you're a native of Boston. This, yeah. You essentially have your dream job right now, uh, covering the Bruins. You only yeah. stayed awake for 16. You felt you didn't watch the 17th and 18th innings the other day. I tried. No, I actually missed. I missed the 15th and I missed the 18th. I was trying. I had the I had the YouTube TV on. Um, you know, I, I, on my phone, I had you know one eye open, and I'm just like, I gotta I gotta see this through. You know, once you start, you know, you gotta 
you got to uh, see it all through. And, and boy, that was that was a bad decision because I'm still feeling it. I'm 34, so you know I'm, oh, I'm not, uh, so not young old. anymore. I guess you are so <laughs> old, Matt Porter. Look, I folded three loads of laundry, changed out light bulbs, and prepared breakfast for Saturday morning just to stay awake. So I could watch all of that. I'm, I'm, you saw the I, whole thing. Okay. I did. I watched the entire. Well, I I got. We had a hockey game that night. Canes beat the Sharks that night. So I didn't get yeah. home until it was probably about midnight, and I watched from midnight to about three thirty. I watched an entire baseball game. After yeah, the- I was I, I was wrecked for. I mean, the Bruins Canadians was that night, and I was wrecked. I mean, I, I went to the morning skate. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> I need to get my sleep. I wonder how many. Uh, wonder how many of the uh, the Bruins watched that game. By the way, the you guys on the power play. Maybe you can uh, explain to Carolina how to play a power play. Uh, Bruins nine of thirty two on the power play. Um, what is the key to a power play like theirs uh, that has been missing some pieces and hasn't been getting great secondary scoring? That's weird, right? Like, the, and, and Carolina's PK is not good either. I mean, I, I watched the Islanders game. Yeah. That was. It well, it was good. It was the the first one. The Islanders scored nine seconds in. Yeah, and then the other the other three. The Islanders had only one more shot on the right. uh, on their other three power plays. In fact, Carolina had three great scoring chances on, I believe, the third power play. Yeah. Um, so overall, it, it, the look, numbers, oh, it's terrible. Not good. No. Uh, yeah, and you you'd think with you know the way they're they're producing at five on five, you think the special teams would be there, and but I don't know. I mean. It, I think Carolina's got talent. They have talent enough to have the power play and it's certainly a good penalty kill with their speed. But, um, you know, the Bruins just, you know, for them, it's, it's continuity. You know, the fact that they have on the first unit, Bergeron in the slot, Pasternak in the circle. Marshan was, he used to be a net front guy because he's so quick and right. you know, he can tip pucks and, and he can, you know, stick handle around anybody. He's just so quick that way. But um, they moved him midway last year uh, because they made a trade for Rick Nash. They moved him to the, to the half wall. He's been there ever since. Um, you have those three guys. I mean, those options, you know, you love having Tory Krug shot from the point, his ability to, right. to, to walk the wall, to walk the line. Um, he switches with David Pasternak sometimes. You have that mobility, but you almost don't even need it just because the Bergeron one-timer from the slot is one of the best weapons on the power play in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And David Pasternak rips rockets from the circle. Um, you know, if you lay it, even if you don't lay it flat for him, you can still, you know, get it off and, and, and put it on net and um, almost scored, you know, against Carey Price twice uh, in, in the game Saturday. Uh, but Carey Price was amazing. Um, you know, so it's just those three, those three forwards, the, the chemistry they have, the cohesiveness, and, and, you know, the way they can just find each other. You can't load up on one guy, you know, when you have three mm-hmm. weapons on that power play. It's just like in Washington with Baxter, Ovechkin, and Oshie. It, it, it's just really tough to stop. And, um any team in the league would want to have that uh, on their man up. Joe Kim Nordstrom was here for, I don't know, four or five years. And uh, if he had scored just a little bit more with the Hurricanes, they probably mm-hmm. would have re-upped him. Uh, a warrior player, a guy who's a tremendous penalty killer. Love him. Fearless. Yeah. With, and exactly. Everybody Good who's player. played with him loves him. Uh, what has he brought to the Bruins? You know, I... I didn't know what to expect. I guess I kind of expected what you're saying coming in. You know, just uh, does everything right, brings a ton to the table except for scoring, doesn't give you any offense. And, and I'm, so I've been looking for signs of that offense and, and talking with him you know, a little bit, you know, in the preseason and, and in the early part of the season, kind of picking at his backstory a little bit. You know, I know he was 
a guy that was always – you came up through the Swedish system, and, and when he got to the national team level, he was just a guy that, you know, was never going to be on their top line. So he always got pegged as a, as a fourth line, third line, penalty kill guy. And he's played that role really well. But you can just see how smart of a player he is. Um, he gets to the right spots. Just doesn't have that, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's not a mind thing for him. He has a mind to finish, but I don't know if it's the shot. I don't know if it's just that he maybe needs to be a little bit quicker. Um, whatever reason, I mean, you know, he's not going to give you the goals, but I mean, they used him as a second line winger and, you know, he looked pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they were that line with Krejci and DeBrusque, you know, was really buzzing and and getting chances. Um, you know, he, like I said, he's not an elite level finisher, but you know, more than enough to, um, you know, to get chances and maybe get a few kind of greasier, grittier goals, uh, there, which they didn't come from, but it was a small sample size. Um, now he's now he's centering the third line. He's also been a fourth liner too. Right. Um, now he's centering the third line. Uh, we'll do so again uh, in Carolina with Backus out. They've you know been looking for a third line center all year, mm-hmm. and, and Nordstrom is definitely their plan D at this point. Um, <laughs> you know they've they tried three rookies. Uh, they tried uh, Sean Corrali, the fourth line center, that didn't work out. Then they tried Backus, he got hurt, and now Nordstrom is in the middle there um, with uh, two two. Uh, uh, Second-year players, or one second-year player, Andres Bjork and, and rookie Ryan Donato. Um, so he's got some offensive talent on his wings. So maybe he becomes like more of a playmaker and tries to set them up. Um, he, he's just like a classic, you know, Swedish guy. Uh, yeah. Came up through that system. He's just adaptable. He can throw him in anywhere. He's going to be defensively responsible. I like him a lot as a player. Um, nice guy too. And yeah. uh, I know he's pretty excited about coming back and playing Carolina. I'm I'm sure he is. And fr- frankly, again, if he could have scored just a little bit, he probably would have gotten another contract to, uh, to stick around. And, uh, Cause and guys like that are, ju- they, they just help you win. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, he, I can just see him down the road, you know, in a big game, you know, having a big, a big penalty kill shift, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, Bruins used to have a guy, PJ Axelson, who, who was mm-hmm. that way. And, and you know, Different players, uh, you know, Axelson's defensive mind was one of the best, you know, I think, uh, anyone of us here have ever seen. I mean, he's, you know, Patrice Bergeron-like in the way that he thinks the game defensively, but Nordstrom's not quite that, but, you know, similar in the way that, um, you know, skinny, skinnier Swedish guys that just uh, play hard um, and know exactly what to do. I, I should also mention, too, with Nordstrom, he's excited. I cannot remember, um, maybe you'd know it, but there's a Carolina, he gave a shout-out to a Carolina equipment manager, Um he, uh, Skip Cunningham? Uh, yeah, it was Skip Cunningham. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the reason he did that, this was early in the season, I asked him about, um, you know, do you have any thoughts on the uh, the, the Whaler uniforms? You no, know, because I know he played in Carolina. <laughs> yes. And he said, I know Skip Cunningham will like it because he used to work in Hartford. Yep. And Skip was a great guy and all that stuff. So give a shout out to Skip, too. Skip has been with the uh, the Hurricanes, I mean, forever. I mean, he's been – obviously came down here uh, from Hartford when the team relocated in the fall of 1997. Uh, how do you think it will play when the Hurricanes – and it will not happen, of course, on Tuesday night, but December 23rd, uh, and then in the, a return match, I guess it's in January in Boston, where the Hurricanes will don the Whalers' uniforms. How will that play in Boston and the rest of New England? Well, see, you know, from an aesthetic uh, perspective, I yeah. really like the uniforms. Yeah. I, I think they look great. And I tweeted that. And instantly, I'm like, oh, no, that was stupid. Just it's a because, mistake. <laughs> just, just because, you know, I feel bad. I mean, you know, you, you, the Whalers, you know, were 
we're so beloved by the people of Connecticut. Yep. And, you know, if you grew up a Whalers fan and then you had your team ripped away from you, it's like, you know, I, a good buddy of mine went to college. He, you know, he tweeted, he's like, thanks, man. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm very sorry, buddy. I forgot. You know, it's, it's just, you know, that that was heartbreak for them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to see, now to see Carolina, you know, I mean, it's, I hate to be so cynical, but I mean, really, you know, they're profiting off of this. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's hard for, for people who grew up Whalers fans to see that. And, you know, I know obviously the Canes are you know, one of the best stories in the NHL for the way they've started and, and the way that, you know, the fans are involved there. And, and you know, uh, the celebration was a big uh, you know, yeah. topic of conversation in the Bruins locker room today. Um, you know, people are talking about the Canes and feeling good about them. And, you know, but if you're a Whalers fan uh, from, from way back when, you're certainly not. Well, there, there's, no, there's no question that Whalers fans are uh... – are rightfully upset about the return of that uniform and the hurricane started uh, Tom Dundon the owner started selling whaler stuff immediately and by the way all this stuff has been available online if people oh, have sure, wanted yeah. to uh, to buy it before the hurricanes decided to bring it back and put it on the ice but now in the hurricanes team store in the eye I mean they sell yeah, tons they have a, a they have racks of just whaler that. stuff yeah and it looks different then right it's like you know it's it's like it's all, it's it's weird it's like seeing uh in a sense, it's like seeing like kids today wearing, and God, I sound old, but kids today, you know, wearing like a Nirvana shirt. And it's like, do you really understand like Nirvana at all? Like you weren't around for that. Do you really know what that means, what that connotates? I, I, it's it's weird. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not really sure I understand Carolina selling it other than just like, hey, let's make a buck off those. That's what the they're ritual, doing. They're know, not deal. even shy about it, to be honest, Matt. I mean, Tom, Tom Dundon sat in the studio with us and he said, yeah, it's, 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 we're trying to make money. Is there, is that a problem? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is, yeah. they are trying, they are running a business. So they are trying to make as much money. They don't make as much money off the merchandise. So people would know, uh, no, they make just no, a fraction uh, if you sell stuff in your own store, as opposed to selling it at NHL.com, if you sell it in your own store, you get a little bit more than if you sold it on NHL.com uh, in, the, in the team shop. Uh, but yeah, if, if you sell it in the, in the stadium, anybody, you get more. It's not buying anybody a team plane. No. It's just a, a little bit distasteful, in my opinion. Right. And the the other thing is that, um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't find it. We we can we can parse it any way you want. We could call it honoring the past, and I think the plan would be to have some whalers, some past whalers. I'm fairly sure it won't be Ron Francis. Uh, we'll be here at <laughs> at PNC Arena for the game on the 23rd against the uh, against the Bruins. But it's clear that Dundon, who chose two games against Boston, it's clear that he's trolling. Is it? Or I mean, oh, there's no question gonna... he's trolling. Well, hey, you know what, though? it's I can call it, in one breath, I can call it distasteful, but then again, it's like, I'm kind of here for it, right? I mean, I'm, I'm here for the, the Carolina celebration. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm here for, you know, if they want to take it up a notch and, you know, maybe talk a little junk uh, surrounding it. Like, I'm I'm okay with that. I, I like that in the NHL. I like it in other sports. I like it in, yep. in basketball. I like I like that kind of you know, the personal beefs and stuff. I'm entertained by it. I think it makes sports more fun. I don't mind it when the guy plays the heel. Like, you know, I'm I'm kind of a lapsed Red Sox fan. Um, hmm. You know, like I, I was a huge Red Sox fan when I was a kid, you know, and then you kind of get in, you know, you get into sports journalism and you kind of your fandom, you know, uh, wanes quite uh-huh. a bit. But, man, I, Manny Machado was pissing me off in that, in that <laughs> World Series. Like I couldn't. 
I, I like I, I, every time he struck out, I was pumped. You know, so <laughs> you know, I, I like that stuff. I mean, I think sports. We need villains in sports, and, and I'm not sure Caroline is willing to embrace that. <laughs> but hey, no, if they I, want to, then great. I, I, they're certainly not trying to embrace a villain, but here's what's interesting. We had a conversation at the rink the other day about who will be the first player to score a goal and then mock yes. the hurricane celebration. And, yes. I mean, Brad Marchand dr- jumped out to me. I fully yeah. expect, if he scores, for him to kayak. Fully expect it, and I think people should be okay with it. Yeah, if he does, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, people will definitely be okay with it. And, and there will be old stodgy types that will say, no, that's so immature. You know, you're, you're such a good player. You know, why do, why do you have to stoop to that level? But it's like it, people forget this is for the fans. You know, this right. is for entertainment. This is for, you know, sports or entertainment. And, and, you know, if a guy like Brad Marchand, you know, if it's a heated game and – you know, there's some there's some hot action. You know, if it's there's a there's a line there, and, and there's a way to do it. There's a right time to do it. And you know, if it's in the heat of battle, and and uh, you know, like we saw early in the season with uh, you know Patrick Kane and Austin Matthews going back and forth, Chicago Toronto games mm-hmm. like seven to six. It's wild. It's back and forth, and you know Austin Matthews scores, puts his ear to the crowd, and then Patrick Kane doesn't, puts his ear to the crowd. That's when you do it. So if there's a already up and down, wild, exciting game, which I know Carolina likes to play. So yeah. maybe Boston will get into that too. Um, you know, and, and that's part of it. Then hey, great! I think we got ourselves a, a good night. Yeah, it's, uh, two of the uh, two of the best games they played all year were somewhat void of real structure. Uh, the game against San Jose was kind of and Carolina really lived in uh, behind San Jose's defense for the second and third periods and and the overtime. I don't know how they didn't score a goal in the third period to be honest. Uh, and there was a yeah. game earlier this season against the Rangers, which was the greatest pond hockey game. Uh, you've ever seen. Uh, Matt Porter from the Boston Globe covers the Bruins is joining us here in the Canes Corner podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Matty Ports. Uh, two two quick things, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this up. Um, the last time these teams met on this ice was one of the more devastating losses that I can recall. And the Hurricanes have had some devastating losses, especially the last couple of years. Um, but Boston scoring, what was it, four goals in the third period, uh, mm-hmm. or to three in the third, and then one in overtime. I'm trying to remember the, uh, the the sequence, but just stormed back, beat Carolina, and it was essentially a morgue in their uh, in their locker room. It was just so depressed after a game like that. Uh, I know you were not covering the team then, but there's got to have been a bunch of talk around the team about the last time they were here. You know. Not not from the Bruins side, you know, and maybe in Carolina, um, they're just they're trying to figure out so much at this point that that, that kind of history, um, you know, hasn't really been a discussion point. I have had some time with Lee Stempniak recently. Maybe he would have a comment on that, but right. um, uh, which is another interesting kind of kind of angle for this for me is you know he's he'd love to be playing in Carolina, but they just uh, recall an AHL forward. Um, rather than signing him, he's been practicing with the team you know, right. locally and, and all that. But um, no, I, I think you know if, if that's a talking point for Carolina, I think the Bruins should definitely watch out because uh, you know they they haven't they haven't done well when they've when they have allowed the first goal mm-hmm. this year, and we saw it in Montreal. They they allowed two really quick ones, and then spent the rest of the the, the game you know chasing it. 
Um, happened to get at Edmonton. They allowed a couple quick ones, spent the rest of the game chasing it, which is something you do anyway with Connor McDavid on right. the ice. But um, that's been an issue for them. I, I think with Yarrow Halak and Nett, uh, I, I like their chances a little bit better than Tuka Rask because the, the common denominator there is the Tuka Rask. Um, you know, allowing some, some goals. You saw it against Washington. You know, just just the snowball effect. So, you know, when you're talking about chasing the game, you know, that's kind of the something that the Bruins are more concerned about rather than, uh, you know, having to come back. They, they want to avoid it, uh, you know, on the front end rather than, you know, have to put together that kind of heroic effort like they had in Carolina. How big, and we'll, we'll close on this, how big a deal was it to the team? Because if I recall, there was a mess in the opener. Uh, uh, and then uh, yeah. Lar- <laughs> Lars Eller scored, I believe it was the seventh goal or whatever number it was. Uh, and Brad Marchand didn't appreciate the celebration. Uh, and then they, they he took it from there. So how big a deal was it to the team to see a response like that? Was there a carryover effect? Yeah, I think so. I mean, because, you know, Eller in a 7-0 game, skates by the Bruins bench and, and makes a, you know, a pointing kind of gesturing, you know, motion, you know, he took a route to the Bruins bench and did that in a seven Oh game. So, you know, you're already raising a banner, you know, I mean, we had to sit, you know, if you're the Bruins, you're thinking we had to sit through this, right. you know, 35, whatever, 20, 25, 35, whatever it was minutes, um, you know, and then get rocked. Um, you know, your fans are all over us. And then that, so yeah, I mean, Martian, it wasn't like a, I don't think in talking to players in that night and, and afterwards, you know, I don't think it was like, you know, boy, we're glad, you know, Brad did that. It's almost like, you know, somebody had to, you know, cause that was just, they, they felt that was just unacceptable on Eller's part. And, uh, you know, Marshan wore it. And, and, uh, and, and I think that was, you know, probably the right thing to do according to the hockey code. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, they are a team that will stand up. I mean, they, you know, they're losing their, their most stand-up guy in Kevin Miller right now. He's a guy that will answer the bell for, for anybody. But and they also traded Adam McQuaid to the Rangers, you know, at the eve of the, eve of the preseason. Um, so those were kind of their two toughest guys. But, you know, they, they still have – you're really to a man. I mean, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll stand up for each other. And, and that's a team that's been together for the most part for, for a while, certainly with the core. But, you know, returning pretty much everybody from last year. Um, they've had time to bond. They've had time to, you know, get to know each other and, and – that uh, that time spent together has you know uh, made them uh, react when when something happens uh, very quickly without thinking about it. All right, as we uh, as we say goodbye to Matt Porter uh, from the Boston Globe at Matty Ports on Twitter, he covers the Bruins. Uh, over under a million, how many times uh, Patrice Bergeron and Jordan Stahl will be matched up in the faceoff circle? Oh, jeez, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> used to that right i mean right. if you're if you're an appreciator of the face-off arts uh you know, certainly you're you're looking there and bergeron wasn't good against montreal in the draw i think that's something to watch it, you know he he got smoked by philip Deneau, okay. um, which is really what's surprising because patrice has been you know gold standard yeah at, you know at the dot you know for forever seemingly um but special player and, and uh you know obviously uh jordan i think if i'm him you know i i have something to prove at this game he takes uh he's taken 98 percent of their defensive zone faceoffs. yep i mean that's, if they're in the if they're in the D- <laughs> 11s on the ice uh and is over i think over 60 percent i think he's definitely over 60 percent on the season uh so uh this was uh this because like you know like 
Bruce Cassidy, the Bruins coach, I mean, he's he's been able to throw his fourth line out there. He's been able to throw his third line out there for defensive zone draws. Uh, you know, David Krejci, second liner, I mean, he's a pretty reliable face-off guy. His wingers, you know, maybe not always, um, you know, defensively responsible as they need to be, but um, unless you're talking about Joe Keith Nordstrom, obviously. Right. Um, but, I mean, is that concerning? Kind of that, that top-loaded uh, way that, that – that, that, uh, well, just in the face-off circle, the uh, the Hurricanes as a as a unit, the Hurricanes are getting almost all of their five-on-five scoring from Ajo, Teravainen, and Furland. Michael yeah. Furland uh, leads the team in goals. Ajo's got an 11-game point streak. If he happens to get on the score sheet against Boston to, uh, Tuesday night, he will break the franchise record set by Ron Francis of 11 straight. Uh, it'll be 12 then to start the season. Teravainen's got goals in two straight games. So uh, that's where they're getting all their scoring. It's Right now, it's very top-heavy. Uh, Carolina's getting almost nothing from their bottom six. Uh, they're starting to get a few more contributions from the blue line, uh, but for the most part, five-on-five, five, it's all been uh, Ajo, Teravainen, and Furland. Yeah, but we're talking about we're talking about numbers of production. Are we talking about chances, though? Because it seems like they pl- do a pretty good job lines one through three of driving play. Uh, yeah, I mean, even even the fourth line has created uh, some chances because Brock McGinn has been right right now in the fourth line. Uh, he has been generating some offense. Be just uh, it was uh, two games ago was the first time he finished one. Um, and uh, Valentin Zikoff is essentially a, pen, a power play specialist, and right now uh, Carolina's power play is not special. Um, mm. I, I would make a joke, but I won't. The, uh, the the third line is generating some chances, but most of that I think is coming from Martinuk. Svechnikov has been sporadically dangerous, mm. and in the third period, essentially what Rod Brindamore is doing is shortening the bench playing the third line and using McGinn in Svechnikov's spot for about half of their shifts, and essentially the fourth line goes away. Um, so McGinn will get his ice time at the expense occasionally of Svechnikov. So that's basically what they've done in the third period, uh, w- whether they're ahead or behind, because if they're ahead, uh, then Svechnikov's biggest issue is mental lapses defensively. McGinn does not have a, any of those, so McGinn can play either side. So that's basically what they've done. I was the same way when I was 18. So, <laughs> Yeah, like nobody's complaining, really, about yeah. <laughs> Svechnikov. We know that there's yeah. ability there. And the thing is, as, as an 18-year-old, uh, he doesn't get pushed around. So it's, yes, he's not right. a usual, he's not the common, the garden variety 18-year-old. He's a big, strong kid uh, that is just waiting for the game, I think, to slow down just a little bit uh, so he can create some more offense and finish some of those. There you go. Uh, well, I won't be there. I won't be there uh, tomorrow, but I will be there December twenty third. So I'll all right, all you'll to catching up with you then. Absolutely, and we'll uh, we'll we'll save some Whalers gear for you. It'll be on sale at the eye. <laughs> Matt, thanks, man. All right, all right, Adam. Good talk to you, man. That's this week's Kane's Corner with Adam Gold. Download or subscribe to our podcast every Monday during the Carolina hurricane season in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen at WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. And don't forget, for the latest Kane's coverage, log on to WRALsportsfan.com. Every game on the Kane's radio flagship, 99.9 The Fan. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.